Welcome to the Passion and Purpose Podcast. I'm Dr. Adam Sheck, and I'd like to thank you all for being here. During these podcasts, I share my thoughts and approaches for creating more passion and more purpose in our lives, personally and professionally. And I also interview experts and thought leaders in the community about how they cultivate passion and purpose. If this is your first time listening to the Passion and Purpose podcast, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a clinical psychologist licensed in the state of California. I've worked as a psychotherapist, a couples counselor, and a relationship coach since 1991. I work with my clients, both in my office in Los Angeles, as well as around the world through telephone and Skype. My areas of expertise are supporting my individual clients in finding their passion and purpose in life, and in helping committed couples reignite the passion in their relationships. You can find out more about me at my main website, www.thepassiondoctor.com, or if you're serious about transformation and would like to schedule a complimentary consultation, you can call me at 323-487-1140. That's 323-487-1140. But enough about me. I am really excited today to be introducing today's guest, my colleague and my friend, Eva Clay, who will be talking about the five biggest mistakes single women make in looking for love. I've known Eva for about five years now, and she continues to impress me. She's got a master's degree in social work, and she's licensed in California as a clinical social worker, an LCSW. She's also a clinical hypnotherapist. But these are just titles. She is so much more. My friend Eva Clay is not only an internationally acclaimed psychotherapist, she's also a life coach, a sexuality expert, and that's actually where we first met in a Tantra class, and a women's rights activist. She bodaciously reminds us that all behaviors begin in the brain, and she's helped thousands of people to live more joyful, sexy love lives. She's been a professor of mindfulness and neuroscience at USC, at UCLA, and at Pepperdine. And she offers self-love and sexual intelligence programs for men and women. And you can learn more about her at her website, www.evaclay.com. So Eva, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Adam. It's great to be here with you. Thanks. You know, you are such a fascinating woman, and I'm, I'm so impressed that not only have you achieved such success in your field, you, you've racked up the credentials and, and the, the, the stats, but you're actually in the process of reinventing yourself again, and I just admire you so much for that. Oh, thank you, Adam. It's a joy and a delight to constantly evolve in life, and what mm-hmm. kind of healer and teacher would I be if I were promoting that and not living it, so... It's a joy. Absolutely. You are a woman who walks her talk and that's, those are the people I want to hang with. Those are the people I want to share with my, you know, crowd, my, my tribe. So let's, let's start maybe someplace in the beginning or the middle. Um, what made you so interested in, in the, the field of sex and in intimacy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. I, you know, it's a little bit of a vulnerable story, but I feel compelled to share it about Maybe five years ago, I had a major awakening. I was just beginning a separation from my husband of eight years. I was happily married for eight years and had a cataclysmic separation. 
And I went into a shamanic ceremony. Um, it was my very first time doing shamanic work. And I went in with this question of, should I save my marriage or not? And it was very clear. The answer I got back was, you're not asking the right question. Mm -hmm. And what I received in transmission through that ceremony was, I need to understand what it is to love and be loved. And so that set me off on this path of really understanding that at almost 40 years old, I had never allowed myself to be fully loved, even through all my years of marriage. And wow. so I intensively began to study Tantra, to study relational arts, to study sexuality. And meanwhile, the marriage ended uh, very gracefully and it needed to end. And it plunged me into a single life. And I hadn't been single in really almost 10 years. And at the age of 40, starting over again being single um, was very confusing. <laughs> sure. And so I just decided to use myself as a kind of field study and to take a look around. And what I noticed was how rapidly things have shifted. And I was completely lost in the world of being single and dating and um, went through a couple of years of really difficult relationships and challenges. And I, I just couldn't grok the whole, you know, the dating game. And um, so I went into a year of celibacy and again, intensively devoted myself to the path of Tantra and inner work. And now coming out of that five years later, I am in a deeply committed soul relationship. I'm very happy about that. And I've learned a thing or two and I delight in sharing it. That's great. I, I appreciate your, your openness, your candor, your vulnerability in this because it's, it's not what people who are trained classically as psychotherapists, and you're so much more than that, that often do. We're trained to cover ourselves and not share of ourselves. And to me, that sometimes feels very voyeuristic. We're asking people to, to show up, and yet we're so cloaked and protected. And uh, as, a, as a psychotherapist and a couples counselor as well, I know that, that uh, many of us feel a little bit of shame from time to time on not having the perfect relationship or getting divorced. And so I appreciate your, your openness in this because we're all human too and, and we have to learn our mistakes. And I'm a firm believer that we teach what we need to learn. That's certainly true for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Me too, Adam. Mm -hmm. And it, it's still true. I mean, I'm still learning about sex and relationships, oh my God, I mean, the really cool thing about it is that we will never know at all, right? It's like, it's a mm -hmm. constantly evolving inquiry and it just fascinates me endlessly. And I really enjoy the, as I'm sure you do too, Adam, the kind of cross waters of psychotherapy and coaching, because in coaching we can be more transparent and meet yes. our clients on a human level. Mm -hmm. But then I also, I'm sure as you'll agree, like to bring the academic work into the coaching relationship and it just informs us and makes the work more potent and powerful. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. It's, uh, I admire you and that too. And I, I honor anyone that can speak the, the language of neuropsychology and neuroscience because it's that, that's sexy to me. That's what, I know, me you know, too. It, yeah. get, it gets me going. So I, and I hope the audience will, will learn a little bit on that too. So we're on the same page. We're definitely kindred spirits on this. Um, how did you arrive uh, at these five mistakes? Uh, they're ones I'm assuming you, you learned from uh, as well. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I have 
perpetrated all of these mistakes rampantly. And like I said, I have been using myself as a kind of field study and just observing mm -hmm. and being really like a purveyor of sexual culture. Mm -hmm. During my time of being single, you know, I went into all kinds of cultures, into polyamory, into sex positive. I've, you know, had dances in lots of different sexually um, sex positive communities mm -hmm. and until I finally kind of have arrived at what feels good in my body and works in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but I've really just culminated all of these um, stories and experiences, not only from myself, but from what I see other women doing. You know, I have an active, like you, have an active psychotherapy practice and mm -hmm. an active coaching practice. Yes. And for 20 years, I've been an expert and a scholar on women's psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, most recently, for the last eight years, I've been running a battered women's shelter. So I know a lot about women and how they relate, and so I've distilled these five key points. Um, of course, there are many other points that I can talk about, but these are the top five I think that would be really beneficial for people to know. Mm -hmm. That's great. I'm, I'm happy to start on any of them, but I actually I have one other question clarification for you. As, as I said earlier, um, we met um, in a, a Tantra class from a, a teacher that we both uh, have known and respected for a long time, and you've mentioned that Tantra informs your practice as it does mine, and I'll put you on the spot and ask you for maybe a sentence or two just to give your take on what Tantra is, because there's so many misconceptions in in the world on that, especially in California, where people think it's just licensed to have free sex. Mm, yeah, not true. Not true. I just want to say that. Yes. Tantra, tantra is such a widely used term. It's a huge umbrella. It's kind of like the, the term yoga. Mm -hmm. And there are many different iterations of Tantra. So I can only speak to what it's meant to me in my life. And in a sentence or two, um, the practice of Tantra as, as an everyday yoga, um, mm -hmm. not as a sexual practice, but as a vehicle to knowing and embodying God mm -hmm. and spirit and yes. leaning into the presence of spirit in everything we do. And uh, for me, it's a very graceful and eloquent way of communing with my own body. And again, I don't use it necessarily as a sexual practice. Of course, it shows up there. Sure. But it's a, it's a way of relating. It's a style of relating to other people and to the world at large that is more compassionate, that mm -hmm. is um, more generous, that is more tolerant. And mostly as a woman, I think other women may relate to this, it has helped me to detach from my stories, my mm -hmm. projections, my mm -hmm. assumptions, and my longings, so that I'm able to give and receive love in such a beautiful way that I never have before in my life. And I practice Tantra daily. I'm a mm -hmm. big believer. Great. Thank you for the clarification and, and beautiful explanation. Very eloquent. I, I agree with you. It's, it's a practice of being present and of calling forth to me the the divine in, in everything and really being in our bodies, which is where we experience our lives through our senses, through our bodies, through our, our cells and our brain more than anything. And really being we're sexual beings, sexuality is part of that, though not as large a part as, as is publicized. So thank you for the clarification. I appreciate it. And 
let's get back to those mistakes. Take, take your pick. Where would you like to start? <laughs> let's start with mistake number five, and then I want to build up to mistake number one. So, okay. Uh, okay, so mistake number five, I see this so often in women, and I've definitely lived this myself as a very busy, professional, high-achieving woman. The fifth mistake that women make is not being in their pleasure. Um, women today, you know, one exciting aspect of this is that women today are entering careers and professions like never before. Um, mm -hmm. Now we have higher rates of women graduating from high school. There are more women completing college. There are more women in graduate school. And so women are really on the rise in the workforce. Women mm -hmm. have now surpassed men in the median income bracket. Yes. Yeah, and there are more women owning, owning homes, etc. All of it, and, and I'll, I'll just interrupt, and yeah. graduate school, there are more women in graduate school than men. There are more women pursuing higher education and more skill sets than men. Absolutely, absolutely, and which is a wonderful thing. This is what we want, or what I want, right, mm -hmm. as a woman. Um, the flip side of that is the impact of stress on a woman's nervous system mm -hmm. and how that impacts her sexuality, her relationship to her body, and her ability to truly be present and relate in a vulnerable way. Mm -hmm. And it's a woman's nature to be in pleasure. We come alive, we thrive, we're, we're fully expressed when we're in pleasure. And mm -hmm. I think especially in Western culture, we have forgotten this and we've started to write this out of the narrative. Yes. Yeah, and so um, one thing that is so incredibly magnetic and irresistible to a man is a woman in her pleasure. Mm -hmm. It's a man's natural drive, his organic imperative to please. And when he can't please his woman, when it doesn't feel like he's achieving that, then it creates a real barrier to relating and, and to the satisfaction of the couple. So um, I see women who are super stressed out, who are working really, really hard. They're barely making time to meet men, much less to date, much less to take a breath and be present and open their pleasure centers. Right. Um, and this ties into, you know, feminine essence. And I have a little bit of a, I don't know, a reaction to this word because it's thrown around a lot these days. Mm -hmm. But we have to remember that if you want to attract a man, you have to be committed to loving and enjoying and expressing your feminine essence because that's what will magnetize him. And so when we go, let's say for instance, on a first date with a man, mm -hmm. and this is something I used to do, so maybe I'll just use myself as an example. When I was newly single, I'd go on a first date with a man and what I would do is give him kind of my resume, you know, I, you know talk about my achievements, talk mm -hmm. about my goals, talk about everything I've done in my life and, and the vision for my life. And you know what? I rarely got a second date. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was doing that and, and I was kind of like, what's the problem here? I think I'm relatively good looking. I think I have a lot going on for me. I have a great package, but I can't seem to keep a guy. Mm -hmm. And the men that did stick around were incredibly effeminate. Mm -hmm. who didn't have a lot going on in their lives, who weren't working, who weren't educated, often were much younger than me. Mm -hmm. And that created um, a polarity where I was holding the masculine energy, the achievement orientation, and they were right. holding the feminine. 
And um, that didn't really work for me long term because I ended up supporting these guys or they would you know, mm -hmm. be crashing at my house every night. And that's not what we want as women. We don't want a child, we want a man. Right, it makes total sense. And for the majority of women, because again, I'm a, I'm a believer in the 80-20 rule. So I think probably 80% of women lead with a feminine essence. There's probably 20% that lead with a masculine essence. And that's natural and feels right to them, just as the same with men. 80% lead with masculine, 20% with feminine. So, of course, uh, you you want to lead with your strength and what's true for you so that your, um, you know, your nervous system isn't in fight or flight constantly and, and putting out all the stress hormones, which which make us ill physically and, and mentally. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense. This is great content. I hope everyone is, is listening to this and, and uh, continue on. So... Uh, What's number four on our countdown? Mm -hmm. So number four is what I call the refusal or inability to receive. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll find that all of these key mistakes overlap and tie in with each other. Mm -hmm. So how four relates to five is that, again, women who are disconnected from their pleasure centers and who are driven and ambitious often have a really hard time receiving. And it also ties into their sense of worth and their sense of deserving to mm -hmm. receive good feelings. And what I find a lot of women do is they push away the good or else they completely block it. And let's tie in a little bit of neuroscience in here. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we can only perceive that which we know exists already. Yes. Right. And um, if we're perceiving that we don't deserve a good relationship or we don't deserve to even feel good or, let's say, have an orgasm, then the brain will not recognize those sort of electronic signals in the nervous system of pleasure. And so, um, you know, on top of that, women are socially conditioned to give and to caretake. Mm -hmm. And there's a kind of selflessness that's attached to that. So a lot of women make the mistake of going into a date or to a relationship as the caretaker and the giver. And what that does is it blocks their ability to receive. And then men, because they're biologically wired to please, mm -hmm. and what they want to see in a woman's face is her pleasure and reaction to them because it validates and affirms their biological imperative. So we start to throw the whole balance off. And I often coach my clients around this, that when they're on a date or sitting across from the guy they're interested in to take a deep breath to relax their belly mm -hmm. and just receive mm -hmm. him and authentically respond emotionally to what he's offering you. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it activates his masculine drive. It actually helps him to feel like more of a man and that he's mm -hmm. achieving, he's accomplishing his goal to please you. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's so simple and yet so challenging, especially with the messages society gives us on, on the women have to be super women and do it all. And just something so simple as taking a breath that activates the relaxation response and, and lets us get out of, of that uh, neural network that's just doing, doing, doing. So 
That is great. Thank you. Tip number three. I feel like we're on uh, the Letterman show doing a countdown here. (laughs) Yeah. Tip number three is what I call the two C's, controlling and chasing. Mm -hmm. And not uncommon and probably not a surprise either. So again, this is how all of the mistakes interface with each other. A lot of women I know and coach are prone to chasing their men. They have such a hard time just sitting on their hands and allowing him to pursue them. And this is a big mistake because men neurologically, this is what I call the warrior psychology, they need to, they need challenge. Mm-hmm. Men need to feel their strength. And in order to feel our strength, we have to be challenged in it, right? Yes. And so women make a mistake when they do not allow a man to win them. Mm -hmm. And we must, must understand this as women. I can't tell you how often my coaching clients call me and they say, well, he hasn't called me in six days. Should I reach out to him? Or Mm -hmm. I have this movie I want to go to, but he hasn't called. I really want to invite him. And, you know, I know plenty of women who are also of the psychology of, well, I'm just going to take what I want. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have time to wait around for a guy to call me. Um, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to him or I'm going to move on. And this, again, is overly expressing the masculine. Mm-hmm. And I say that's fine to do if you want a really effeminate man. Mm-hmm. Um, most women I know do not. But they don't understand that they're not polarizing. Right. No, it makes total sense. And I... I know that my listeners, a large percent of my my listeners are very successful, powerful women in in their worlds. And I know this is going to be crucial for them to just hear this and really take it in. Great. Tip number number two. We're we're getting down the line. (laughs) Tip number two is one of my favorite concepts to talk to women about. So um, let's talk a little bit about biology and neuroscience. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in evolutionary psychology. And basically that we are still Neanderthals living in modern day society. And I believe that a big downfall of our current civilization is that our bodies have not caught up with the rate of evolution of our technology. Our bodies simply cannot adapt as quickly. Agreed. Right. So how this shows up and out pictures in our modern relationships is profound. Let's talk about if we were living tribally as hunters and gatherers, which we're still biologically wired to do. Women within the tribe have a biological disadvantage in that we are not as strong generally. So I'm making some generalizations here, but we generally are not as strong. We're not as fast. We're not as adept or skillful at war and violence. We're not really wired for violence. We're wired for primarily one thing, and that is procreation. Mm-hmm. And we're wired to birth new life. And with that comes so many beautiful attributes, such as our nurturance, our compassion, our tenderness, our empathy, our intuition, our oxytocin, mm-hmm. our estrogen. These are magical gifts that get misappropriated in modern society when we don't truly understand their function. So women in the tribe, because we bear children, and because in general we are not as strong physically, Mm -hmm. um, have more dependency on community for our survival. So if you put a tribal man by himself in the forest to, to live indefinitely, 
he has a moderate chance of survival at, you know, protecting himself and fending off predators and feeding himself, etc. Yes. If you if you put a woman in the wild, she has a lesser chance of surviving potentially because she has a child mm -hmm. or she's pregnant and she would have a very difficult time fending off predators because of the vulnerability of her child or children. So women have a biological drive to connect, to affiliate, to be accepted, to have a sense of belonging within the tribe. It's far greater than that need from men. So what we do in dating relationships is women and if we're single and we're really longing for love, is we get needy, we get clingy, we long for, we want this relationship so badly, we want a family so badly that what we do is we go into a dating relationship with an agenda. So we start to look at each and every date. Let's say, for instance, if someone is online dating, okay? I've, I've never done it, but I know plenty of women who do to varied mm -hmm. results. Um, and I coach a lot of women who will sit on that first date and basically interrogate the guy. Are you this? Are you that? Do you meet this need? Mm -hmm. And it's like an interview. And that is such a turnoff for men. And I believe that it really restricts the potentiality of the relationship. And mm -hmm. what I say constantly to the women I coach is lose the frame. Stop looking at every man as if he could or could not be your potential life partner. Mm -hmm. And can we simply experience connection for what it is? Sit across from him on that first date, take a breath into your belly, and check in with how it feels to be in his presence and mm -hmm. where you do connect and noticing where you don't connect. And stop looking at him as if he is a yes or a no. Mm -hmm. Lose the frame. That is great advice. As I was just having a conversation with a, a woman friend of mine the other day on that, how it seems women late 30s, early 40s that haven't had kids yet, some of them are just bold. First date, you know, I want to start a family. Do you want to start a family? If you don't want to start a family, then we don't need to talk any further than this. And for men, we'd like to know, we, we might want to start a family, but it's important who we're starting it with. So we'd like to know them before we commit on the first date to this kind of thing. Right. So uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's so important. So what about number one, the the biggie here, the the you're saving the best for last. Mm-hmm. I'm saving the best for last. And um, number one, my very favorite, they make the big mistake of not loving themselves first. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably not a surprise. It's number one. We hear people talk about this all the time, but I want to say a few words about the brain science behind this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as I just mentioned, women have a biological drive to be accepted, to be loved, to belong to the tribe. And in the reptilian brain, and the primal brain, which is really the driver of our core behavior, when we love ourselves, those needs in the brain are met for that sense of belonging and that sense of acceptance. And then our you know, primal drive, our survival mechanisms, relax the, the, you know, the amygdala relaxes into connection and into life. Mm -hmm. So when we love ourselves, like the brain really cannot discern the difference between someone else loving you and you loving you. Yes. The nervous system does not know the difference. And so when we love ourselves, accept ourselves and understand that we belong, 
then we are not driven to seek that in other places. One of, and Adam, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about this. One of the biggest turnoffs to men mm -hmm. is a needy woman. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I, I, I'm just wanting to sit with that, that thought that you've said, because I, I certainly know that the, the brain can't, you know, our nervous system can't distinguish between something that really happens on the outside and something inside. And that is just so powerful that when we love ourselves, it meets that. It meets that. So I, I, I agree with you when I'm with anyone, man or woman, who, who is needy. It, it's, you know, at this stage of my life, I've been on the planet for five decades. It's, it's not interesting. I want someone who brings something to the table that has something to share that we can stimulate each other and, and raise our levels, not someone that, that needs to pull someone down to get to that. So... I, I totally agree, and that, that reframe was just so brilliant. I've never heard that one, so that is a huge takeaway for me on this. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, as we know, Adam, that how we feel about ourselves outpictures in our behavior and it reflects in our relationships. Yes. So if we're not loving ourselves, well, then we're likely to attract in partners who don't love us. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, there's going to be an, an externalization of that internal environment. And finding love really is all about the internal environment because it drives your choices and it drives like where you hang out and what yes. kind of men you're meeting. So loving yourself, I, I really can't say enough about it. And I know this is true for so many women that I've coached and worked with over the years and true for myself as well, that when we love ourselves to the point that we no longer need a relationship, that's mm -hmm. when it comes. That's the paradox of life, isn't it? Isn't it? As, you know, this has been so incredible. This is such valuable content. The time is, is flipped by. Uh, we're almost out of time. I'm going to have to invite you to come another time when you're, you're uh, willing to talk more about this. It's so fascinating. Um, and let me just re review the five mistakes for everyone and then find out a little bit more about what you're up to here. So number five, not being in your pleasure impacts your nervous system, not being in your pleasure, in your essence. Number four, the refusal or the inability to receive. We want to keep that circle going of receiving and giving, keeping the flow. Number three, controlling or chasing and that, just so detrimental to, to a relationship. Number two, falling out of evolutionary psychology, that needy, clingy, wanted so badly, driven by the, the genetics of that. And again, we're not here to be politically correct or politically incorrect. And our, our genetics, you know, we are, we're here to procreate on the animal body level. We're here to sustain our species in survival. We have a cerebral cortex. We have higher purposes. We're spiritual beings as well. Yet our bodies, our genetics keep us on a certain level until we become wise or work with someone brilliant like Eva and, and transcend that. And finally, number one, love yourself first. It comes in there, you're, you're unconscious, your psyche can't tell the difference when you love yourself first, you are full. You're not, you're not uh, working with a leaky vessel here. You don't have a, a glass with a hole in the bottom that'll never be filled. Take care of that first and you'll be attracted to someone more of what, of who you want. Is that, is that a good summary? Absolutely. And um, number two, I just want to say, I call having an agenda. That's the number two mistake is that women go into relationships with an agenda. Ah, yeah. Great. Have an agenda. 
Wonderful. So, Eva, I, I am just so grateful to you for sharing such valuable and timely information with the Passion and Purpose podcast audience. Uh, what are you doing these days? Are there any programs you're offering right now that might be of interest to our listeners? There is, Adam. Thank you. I'm really excited about this offering. Um, I have a group coaching circle for women only. It's called Smart Self Love, and it's a program that I've run a few times before, and it's a self-love and success program that is tailored specifically for women's psychology. And so mm-hmm. we meet once a week on Wednesday nights here in L.A., and um, we have accountability, we have feminine bonding, we have homework, and we learn all about the brain and women's psychology, and it's super amazing. And whatever you want to achieve, whether it's a life partner or a new job or more income or just self-esteem and self-love, which is really the most important thing of all, um, you can expect to achieve your dreams in this group. And it is coming up starting February 11th. And so if you're interested in this group, um, I offer free consultations. And the group also comes with a free one-on-one session with me, which is worth a lot. So people can reach me at evaclay.com or through email, eva at evaclay.com. Wonderful. I'm jealous here that I, I can't attend this circle. It's for women only. Maybe, maybe you need a guide just to take notes for you or you know, bring, bring coffee. <laughs> you might be our servant boy, Adam. Uh, never know. <laughs> well, I, I role play can be fun. Um, so uh, for those who aren't living in Los Angeles, is there anything else people can do if they, they want to work with you? Absolutely. They can find me through my website at evaclay.com. And I do offer one-on-one coaching around relationships, sexuality, and intimacy. And I do that via Skype or phone. So I can work with people remotely anywhere in the world. So again, just reach out to me through my website at evaclay.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Eva, for being here with me today, for sharing your experience and and wisdom and your journey. And as usual, I am uh, overcome with admiration. Oh, Adam, I I adore you. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. And that is it for today's Passion and Purpose podcast with Eva Clay. If you've enjoyed the podcast and gained something from it, please review us at iTunes. This keeps us high in the ranking so that more people will find out about our podcast and listen and learn about it. I also blog about passion and purpose in relationship and career and in your life at my website, www.thepassiondoctor.com. And you can learn more about me there. I uh, work with people one-on-one in Los Angeles, as well as internationally uh, by telephone and Skype. If you're serious about wanting to create more passion and purpose in your life, I offer a complimentary 20-minute telephone consultation. You can schedule that at 323-487-1140. That's 323-487-1140. I'm Dr. Adam Sheck. This is the Passion and Purpose Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Live with passion and purpose.